Well, church family, uh, as we've mentioned, we've spent most of this Advent season looking at songs, looking at Christmas carols and some of the lines in the Christmas carols, the things they teach us about Jesus and, and the message of the gospel and some of the things that the Christmas carols get a little bit wrong. But, you know, as we've thought about the songs of Christmas, uh, I was thinking about this idea and I was doing some reading and in the, the Psalms, there's a verse in Psalm 118 verse 14 that says, the Lord is my strength and my song he has become my salvation. And in fact, just a few minutes ago, we heard almost that exact same phrase repeated in the prophet Isaiah, that the Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. And knowing we were gonna be focusing on songs for the month of December and this Advent season, it really got my wheels turning that the gospel message itself is referred to as a song. That the, the way that Hebrew poetry works is they do something called parallelism, where they'll say a line and then they'll say a different line. And, and those two things, those two ideas are meant to be contrasted together. So in Psalm 118, 14, it says, the Lord is my strength and song. New line, he has become my salvation. So salvation itself is referred to by the psalmist as a song. And so... I just want to spend a few minutes thinking about what, what kind of song is the message of salvation? What kind of song is God singing here this Christmas season? And so I've got seven things, real briefly, I want to investigate about just every song. So, so like this, every song has to have a beginning. And some songs have a really long, slow buildup, a long, slow beginning. I think of um, the song, Where the Streets Have No Name by the band U2. You have to skip about a minute in before the song actually starts. It's this long, slow buildup. And in some ways, the gospel message has that long, slow buildup that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God was promising this message of salvation. He was promising that though humanity had fallen into sin and though corruption and decay and death had been unleashed everywhere, <clears throat> the Lord promised that he would one day send the Messiah. And so there's this long, slow buildup. But actually, the other songs have a real dramatic start, a real kind of energetic entrance. Uh, I think of a song like Hard Day's Night by the Beatles, where it just starts with this bright, surprising, strange chord. Uh, actually, in fact, if you want to spend some time on YouTube, there are music uh, theory you know, professors and people that have tried to analyze and figure out what chord is at the beginning of Hard Day's Night, and they can't figure it out. But uh, that surprise sort of entrance at the beginning of the song also reminds me of the gospel, because when Jesus did, in fact, show up, uh, it was pretty dramatic. There's angels singing and there's, there's angels appearing to Mary and to Joseph and there's King Herod trying to come and find the boy and there's magi from Persia showing up. I think that, I think that the birth of Jesus was a little bit more hard day's night and a little less silent night, but maybe that's just me. But the, either way, the gospel message has this beginning to the song. There's also the element of rhythm. Right? You think about every song has to have a rhythm. Every song has to have some sort of a, a, a structure that kind of lets you know where you are in the song. Uh, I, I think of a song like um, The Sweater Song by Weezer, where it's just kind of the same beat the whole way through this very rhythmic pattern. Well, some could argue that every song by Weezer has the exact same beat, but that's a different conversation for a different time. 
But you think about Jesus as he grew. It says that he grew in wisdom and, and in, in favor with all the people, that Jesus participated in weekly Sabbath. Jesus participated in, in monthly feasts and festivals and annual Passovers and the Feast of Sukkot. And there's this whole rhythm to the life of Jesus. And as he lived and as he taught, he lived this perfect, sinless life, this, this life that was lived perfectly in the rhythm of God, living life the way it is supposed to be lived, living life the way that you and I have not lived, in, in alignment with God and His will. So the song of the gospel has a beginning, it has a rhythm, and, and it has a story. It has a very compelling story. You know, uh, country music in particular is really good at telling stories through songs. And one of my personal favorite ones, maybe it's not the most inspiring story, but I just love A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash. Just the story that's told there and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty funny, pretty compelling. But, but every song has to have a good story that it's telling and that it's referencing. And, and you think about Jesus, the story that he told, the stories that he told, even the parables, but just the story of the life of Jesus. You know, there's a reason why so many people who are themselves not even followers of Jesus love the story of Jesus because the things that he did, the, the, the miracles he performed, the kindness uh, with which he treated people, the hope that he offered to those who were poor and oppressed and downtrodden. Jesus, <clears throat> in fact, one of his followers, the Apostle John, says at the end of the Gospel of John, he says, there are so many things that Jesus did and said that all of the books in the world couldn't even write down and contain the story of Jesus. So a good song has a beginning, a good song has rhythm, a good song has story, and a good song will often have elements of surprise, kind of a, a sharp left turn. Staying in kind of the country music vein, there's a song uh, by the band the Avet Brothers. They have a song called Vanity. And the song is this, it's actually a really great song with a great message of, you know, kind of in the um, Ecclesiastes sort of vein, but in this song, it's this very melodic, very major key, very sing-song sort of uh, tune. And then when they get to the middle on the bridge, it takes this sharp left turn into a minor chord with a driving rhythm and very surprising. And Jesus, the story of the gospel is filled with these dramatic surprises. Uh, Jesus walking on the water, I mean, you see how the disciples reacted to that story. They were surprised. They were not expecting that. The, the Moses and Elijah showing up on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were not expecting that. And of course, the most dramatic surprise of all was the death of Jesus. And many of the people that were following him, they were expecting a conquering, victorious king. They were not expecting him to be arrested and tried and put to death as a common criminal. Which leads me to my fifth element of a good song, which is the sad notes. Even the happiest songs have minor chords in them. They have sad notes in them. Uh, one of my favorite sad note songs, if I ever just want to really feel kind of those sadnesses, uh, is actually a, a nocturne, a classical piece, a nocturne by the piano composer Chopin, uh, his Nocturne Number no. 2 in E-flat major, and it's, um, it's in a major key, but it is just filled with so many sad notes. And there's a lot of sad notes in the message of the Gospel. Even from the time of his birth, Jesus 
had to live with a lot of sad notes in the story. He, he had to flee for his life with his parents and, and live as a refugee in Egypt. He had to deal with the suspicion and the scorn of the people in the town of Nazareth because of his virgin birth. People mocked him and made fun of him for that. He had to live with rejection and scorn from not only the religious leaders, but in fact many of the, the people of Israel, the people that he loved, the people that he came to seek and to save. He had to live with a sad note of the betrayal by one of his 12 followers, a man named Judas Iscariot. And ultimately, the saddest note of all, as I mentioned, the most surprising and the saddest note of all is Jesus' death on the cross. And when we think about Christmas and we think about that baby boy being born to, to Mary and, and Joseph being there, we cannot forget that the reason why he was born was to die for your sins and for my sins. But a good song also has, number six, a, a peak, a crescendo, a climax, a moment in the song where it just explodes in all of its energy. Uh, I'm not a huge electronic music fan, but sometimes when I'm you know, at the gym or something, it's playing there and every single EDM song has a spot where it drops down and then it builds. And then they, there's a thing called the bass drop. And when that bass drop hits, boom, the song explodes and all the energy you could ever ask for is there. Well, friends, we know that the story of the gospel, <clears throat> though it begins with the birth of Jesus, and though it reaches this very low point in the death of Jesus, we know that on the third day, that the death could not hold him, and Jesus rose from the dead, conquering over sin, conquering over death. The, the climax, the peak of this song reaches this moment on that first resurrection Sunday. And Christmas and Easter are tied together forever because Christmas doesn't mean anything if, if Jesus didn't also die and rise again. And friends, the good news of the gospel, the, the crescendo, the peak of this song is that Jesus has conquered over death and he offers life and salvation and even eternal life to all who will put their faith in Jesus. Which leads me to the last portion of the song, which is the ending. The ending of the song. You know, there you know songs that come up with a good ending that can be very satisfying, but you know there are some songs where the ending just kind of leaves you hanging. In the 80s, they often couldn't figure out how to end a song, so they would just do a long, slow fade out, and the song would just kind of trail off. It's not like that. Um, there's actually a song that we sing at church, the Great Are You, Lord, the It's Your Breath in Our Lungs, So We Pour Out Your Praise. And the way that the chords are in that song, we always joke about it with the, with the musicians and the worship leaders, you could just kind of keep singing that song forever. How do you ever end it? When does it ever conclude? Well, the gospel message is not yet, the, the song of the gospel is not yet officially concluded because we are waiting for a day when Jesus himself will return bodily, visibly, and permanently. And this song of the gospel that Jesus has been writing will come to its fitting and appropriate conclusion when we, the people who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, will be united with him forever. No more sad notes, no more sorrow, and we will experience his goodness, his life, and his love for all of eternity. So in one sense, we're still waiting for the final notes of this gospel song. So to recap, 
I've described the gospel as a song that sounds like U2, The Beatles, Weezer, Johnny Cash, Chopin, The Avett Brothers, EDM, and a worship song. So that might be one of the worst song ideas uh, you could ever imagine. Or with that many twists and turns, it's probably like um, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, something like that. But don't get hung up on the metaphors. Remember that the gospel itself is a song. And so the question for us today is, will we sing along? Some of you who are watching this or listening to this, maybe you have not yet decided to become a follower of Jesus. Even some of you young children, you know, you go to church or you go to kids ministry because your mom and dad do, but, but Jesus is inviting you to join in and sing the song with him. Jesus is inviting you to make a decision that you want to follow Jesus, that you want to believe that this Christmas story, this gospel song has meaning for your life, that you have sinned and you need a savior and that savior's name is Jesus. And so if that's you today, I invite you to pray or to take some time with someone that you're with who has been a follower of Jesus and invite them to pray with you and, and begin to sing the song of the gospel along with the billions of others who have heard this music and are singing it. And if you are a Christian, don't lose the melody. There are a lot of other songs being sung in our world, a lot of other tunes being whistled in our culture, and it's easy to, to, to lose the pitch. It's easy to lose the melody. It's easy to lose the rhythm. Friends, I'm inviting you this Christmas day to remember the song of the gospel, the song of Jesus, as most important in your lives. And may we live our lives in such a way that our life is like a, a pleasing song being sung back to the Lord's ears. And so with that said, let's sing one more song together, church family. Let's sing, Go Tell It on the Mountain.